Bam. Official as fuck, boy. Official as fuck. I think we're rolling. And we're already lagging. It's probably my internet. Just, it's, uh, I just saw a mommy deer and a baby deer in the ditch. I'm proud of you. Welcome. As, as, Brian, as Brian's daughter would say. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Um, episode, I believe, 31. Uh, it's your boy, Devin Patterson. Um, this is like a almost a double redemption at this point. Um, we, uh, one of my guests here, Brian Rogers, um, you guys will probably remember as uh, a guest on our first um, podcast that we did over the phone or whatever you call it. And it was terrible. Um, the, the app we used just wasn't good. There was a lot of lag, but um, so since then I've been wanting to get Brian back on, talk about uh, how he's really good at killing big deer. And um, so we finally got him back on two weeks ago, probably now, Brian. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really good at technology. I don't know if I've made that clear on this podcast yet, but basically I saved the episode to the laptop and not the cloud for Zoom. And then it was too big for my laptop to download. So we're trying number three. This is a double redemption episode. But the good thing about this one is that we're able to squeeze BJ in because he slept on us last time. So welcome back, gentlemen. Yeah, that's totally on, totally on me. He's like, yeah, I got I'm held down. over on a Sunday morning. And yeah, I got held over on a Sunday morning and then I was like three hours into my Sunday sleep schedule and I totally blanked on it. Well, you owe us both for wasting our time. That's true. But uh, uh, thank you guys for for jumping on here. It's almost 10 o'clock p.m. on a, what, Sunday night? So um, normal. My day. My day's just starting. Yeah, normal awake hours for me and BJ. But but, uh, Mr. Rogers appreciates you staying up late and uh, being willing to do this again because I'm just terrible at what I do. He makes his own hours. He makes his own hours. Don't let him. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> I got well, it. Sounded a, good. I got a six, uh, a, se- a seven-year-old that's sick, and I have a baby that was screaming. And uh, finally, everybody is silent. And uh, my wife was gracious enough to let me partake. So, uh, whiskey helps with that. She got pissed when she heard the uh, the energy drink crack open because she knew that uh, <laughs> <laughs> she she knew I wasn't gonna be able to sleep. So. Well, well, good. That's, what Welcome back. that's what melatonin is for, right? Absolutely. Or whiskey. <laughs> BJ, Brian you, Brian's a fighter when he drinks. Oh, God. <laughs> what? Uh, I don't even want to know. But anyways, BJ's yeah, yeah, on his yeah. way to work right now. So um, we He's are going to I'm gonna try, right? I'm gonna try to um, upload this to YouTube as well. So it's another outlet. And we all obviously have video. Um. <laughs> So we'll see, but yeah, that's why uh, BJ looks like his phone's on the floorboard because he's driving to work. So it's in the cup holder. We're good. Appreciate. How you. long do we have? How long do you have till you're at work? Uh, till I'm in the parking lot, probably 20 minutes. Till I have to clock in, probably 40 minutes. Oh, nice. So oh, yeah. we, we're good. We're good on time. If I got a bug out 10, 15 minutes early, that ain't no problem. Yeah, we we usually get done in about 15 minutes. Me and Brian don't have a whole lot to say. Yeah, we can we can talk shit about Brian after he leaves anyway. So that's for sure. I think the I think the last episode was about an hour and a half. 
which yeah. is why it was too big and we could have kept going for at least another hour but it's nothing you won't now, say to, it's nothing you won't say to my face so oh absolutely um since you won't be able to hear it i just want to let you let you in on it because i told you i gave you a little bit of shit um i i told uh rogers here that it was pretty funny whenever i was watching the video of you guys creeping through the woods on his first buck and i'm like how do you be sneaky with a fucking ogre like that you, you just can't be sneaky hey ask ask anybody i've ever played sports with i may not be very uh small uh like majestic but i have very narrow athletic ankles so i i can be stealthy when needed it doesn't help you when you're going through thick brush and you're a giant i know see that's a problem that is a, that is a problem but uh yeah just... well, I, I i told him last time about how we was creeping through with your big ass and then we look back and woody's got the brightest light ever made by <laughs> samsung uh basically going the entire time while he's videoing us and we're trying to creep through the woods and, and we look back and woody's got us on high def back there yeah he's he had the flash on didn't know it <laughs> yeah so uh, that's a, a leads me to my next thing a brief introduction um for those of you who you guys probably already do know the guy uh people listening to this but just in case not um brian rogers and bj are both a part of the pike county trophy doe dorks or trophy doe hunters association something weird they're all nerds um represent baby um doe lives matter and then uh <laughs> brian rogers runs mainly runs but um good sit productions on yep. youtube so check us uh, out the, the uh the first first buck of this year that we're going to be talking about that video is already out any uh eta on the second one so uh I've been just every night I keep telling myself I'm going to start on it. And all I end up doing is watching all of the footage over and over and over and just never actually starting the editing process, just sitting there, just watching all the footage and figuring out what I'm going to do. And uh, you'll get it. So, yeah. Eventually I'm going to actually stop procrastinating and just make the first little piece. And once that starts, the problem is I kind of have like an obsessive, uh, personality so i know what the reason is is once i start it i know that like after that i will have to finish it so right i'm kind of waiting till after christmas to start it that way i don't catch any shit from the wife for not being present um around all of the holiday festivities so understandable otherwise i'll be otherwise i'll be editing on christmas morning and shit yeah yes yeah. well once your family once once your newborn can hold up her bottle by herself you'll be able to do it one-handed yeah, exactly. She's going to be part of the process eventually. Yeah, that's fantastic. Congrats again on that, by the way. That new kid. Yeah, thank you, man. Had, a little alien. <laughs> so, anyways, um, alien with they're all, all they're all aliens when they're born, dude. Absolutely, I have to say it to everybody. So don't take any offense. No, no, absolutely. I I totally get it. Actually, uh, she uh, I I think uh, she's shit a total of fifty seven times today that I've had to change. So. I love how like our podcasts always gravitate towards taking shits. <laughs> it's shitting and killing, man. That's it. That's all this. That's all that matters. Which it's like now that I know what the sky dump is, it's not as cool. It's not like the first time. Like, but we're definitely going to talk about it again. Yeah, that's the like only that. reason he. That's the only reason he bought a two panel saddle so he could his sky dumps were easier. I know. I, I went through a whole process of talking about it last time. And I feel like it was lost. So. Uh, 
We'll it's try to we'll try to bring it back. The ultimate shitting uh, tree stand system. So, which if people remember or tolerated the last episode, um, it was pretty rough. However, um, Brian talked about uh, his mobile shit. Actually, I think that was the title of the podcast was mobile shitting systems. Um, oh yeah, where he was he was all for um, shitting the most efficient way in the woods with scent coverage is that <laughs> is that a bottle of whiskey on your way to work no it's water but uh being most efficient in the woods while taking a shit but he has now adopted a new um strategy it's yeah. pretty pretty fantastic and we'll get to that it's the um, mobile shitting system 2.0 basically fantastic or yeah. aka sky dump yeah yeah pretty, it, it actually is no longer but. it's no longer containing the shit it's now allowing it to be to go live its best life freely in the woods uh from your tree stand so i honestly think you should just change your name to good shit <laughs> well i always thought about having it say good sit and then having like an h with an arrow like uh-huh. pointing down in between where it should go for sure yeah uh, you know that that that'll come once we get more uh marketing money so yeah get your own toilet paper or something <laughs> yes <laughs> better biodegradable toilet paper for the woods <laughs> anyways man um a huge reason why I want to get you on, not just because you're kind of a cool guy and I know you now, but um, you kill bucks, man. You you have bucked out how many years in a row now? Uh, three. Yep. Three years in a three. row. Um, and this year, your first one was on your first set, correct? It was on my third set. Third set. Uh, okay. Yep. Uh, my uh, my first set of the year, I actually almost died one sticking. Uh, I thought for sure I was going to be hanging from like three different ropes dead in the in the tree we didn't even uh, talk about this one on the last podcast no yeah we never got to because we went right into the whole shitting thing and that really took over about 45 <laughs> minutes of our podcast last time so i'm not mad about it i'm just mad that it's not <laughs> gonna be able to be released to the world yeah man so so let's let's break down this first um first hunt strategy wise even even preseason. um you know obviously we've done this once already so i kind of know some of the answers but just to kind of paint a picture um, you know, you talked about scouting a specific area because of some life events that were going on. Um, yep. so yeah, paint a picture for us. Yeah. So, uh, knowing that, uh, I definitely missed the mark, uh, with the baby, uh, due date, uh, cause it took about five to six months longer than what we expected. I was trying to, I was trying to get it in there, you know, to where the baby was not going to need, uh, my full attention during hunting season. And, uh, she was due October 26th. So I definitely, you failed. I, I, yeah, I fucked up. Uh, yeah, it, beyond all all recognition. But you need um, better at math. Yeah. <laughs> I only got so many fingers and toes, though. That's the problem. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so uh, anyway, uh, she was due. So I I kind of switched up. In years past, um, I've had success early season, but it was very hit or miss, and it was not really calculated enough. Uh, you know, as far as like. It was it's it was always like yes I'm gonna hit it hard but like I always gave myself that buffer of like the rut and everything else is coming so like I didn't look at it like a had to give it had to get it done early type mentality necessarily like yes I put a lot of energy into it and stuff like that but I didn't necessarily scout for just for early season spots and try and stack the odds in my favor as much as I did this year as well as I wanted to be close to the road and, uh, within cell service, uh, if I could only because I knew that if, if I was going to be hunting, 
uh, close to the due date, uh, you know, things could change very rapidly. So, uh, I, knowing that I, I just, I did a lot of, uh, scouting close to the road, looking for places that are overlooked. Um, and ultimately both, uh, of the deer that I killed were based off of scouting, uh, because of, because of, you know, around that, even the one, even the gun one later on, um, which I also had bow success on, even though I didn't end up with a kill. Um, it, it all ended up, uh, being based off of the scouting. So, uh, if I, you know, if I could stress one thing, uh, it's that I don't think I've ever killed a big deer without some form of scouting. Uh, it always came from some previous knowledge of something that led to that. It wasn't just like, Oh, this looks like a good spot. And I'm going to sit here and then bam, there it was. You know what I mean? Right. For sure. That's what so, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's not ever a good spot. <laughs> so, so um, but um yeah, go ahead. Uh well, so uh, basically though, it was two totally separate types of scouting that ended up uh, leading to the success. So like uh the very first one um uh, was an area that I went into and just kind of found multiple old uh historic rub lines you know, made sure that the rub line, that the rubs were what I thought were made by good bucks and, uh, you know, lots of them, not just like, oh, this could have been made during the rut. Like I wanted to see based off of the terrain and, you know, the food and all that stuff like that. Like, you know, there was, there was hardwoods, there was a, um, kind of a thick brushy bottom with a Creek. And then there was, um, private ag surrounding it. And then there was multiple different rub lines um, as you move through there um, that was there was historic data. So then I just basically surrounded all of the uh, entrances where they were leading into this one bedding area with cameras. And my my whole idea was to wait till there was uh, like a cold front. And even though it was 72 degrees, that was actually the cold front day, because like Brian uh, knows me and him, you know, uh, we're we're definitely believers in Jeff Sturgis, excuse me, Jeff Sturgis's, uh, you know, whole hunt, the, hunt the cold fronts and stuff like that. Cause you know, we've, we've seen it firsthand definitely on our, uh, our camera pools and stuff like that, that, uh, activities definitely spikes anytime something changes wind direction, you know, temperature, all that stuff. precipitation and wind. Right. So in that order. Yeah, we are, we are definitely believers in that. Now I'm also, even all that, even though we both are believers in that, I still think you should hunt anytime you get a chance. But you know, if you if you're uh, if you have the ability to move your days around, hunt those fronts because you're you're just going to see deer moving more uh, freely. You know, uh, during that period, but that doesn't mean you can't catch them anytime. It's just right. that's your best highest odds. Just like sense. he's just like just like Jeff preaches. But um, you know, I've killed. Uh, my two biggest bow bucks, and of course it was, they were both on November 10th, but they were on, uh, extremely hot days right before a giant temperature drop. So I believe too, that there's some value in hunting as that front is about to hit, even if it's warm, I believe there's a lot of value there because, uh, the one of them was on a 77 degree day. I shot him at 65 degrees and the other one was on a 55 degree day, um, and so, and then the next day it was basically like extreme cold blizzard, like conditions on one and then extreme cold the next day too. And so I think that there's a lot of value. I think those, you know, 
when they feel that there's a, a sharp spike like that, I think they they know that it's going to. Uh, Which I, that's you know, pretty interesting because I always hear wait until the front comes through and then hunt the backside of that front. Um, and, and and I think maybe early season and stuff like that, that, that may be true. But I've had luck two years in a row, not last year and the year before, November 10th, and there were very warm days right before a cold front. And they were both, um, the bucks were up and moving, uh, you know, obviously going through checking doe bedding during uh, during daylight. So that's interesting. Well, it, it, it could be also because usually the wind switches about a half a day before the front hits. Right. It could it could be they they were just cruising with a favor, favorable wind right before the shitty weather or the right. cold weather. That could be part of it, too, because I think on the first buck, the one me and Trevor helped you drag up that hill 19 miles, the uh, uh, that one, that one, I think, was completely wind based. And then the other the other one, the November 10th one from last year, that 140, uh, was it a 10 or a 12? He was a 10. I think he went uh, 144, if I remember right. Okay, yeah, that, that buck, that was just ass crack of dawn on a on a super hot day yeah so, it was a cold part of the day so even though it was, I mean, even, even though it was uh, 65 degrees that was the cold part of the day right right just right. like, that, just like that was the, six, that was six days into last year's like miserable uh rut weather and the funny part about that is i had to cancel my rutcation last year um and so I only had, and goes back to like hunt when you can, because you never know, especially during the rut, but like I had that Sunday and that was it. Um, so literally the first 20 minutes and I pop him and, uh, I didn't need my rutcation. I needed 20 minutes in the woods. Um, uh, and the cool thing about that is, is the hunt right before that I'd killed that 122 inch eight pointer. Um, uh, and, uh, so it was a back-to-back -back hunt. Well, then you get to this year. And I shot my other buck within, uh, uh, the third day. Nope. There goes my lights. I shot my other buck within the third day. And, uh, then I had my baby. Then the very next hunt I go in and I miss, uh, I, I hit branches twice on a really big buck. Uh, and so I almost had within like five hunts there, uh, you know, I had four, four opportunities, five or six hunts. And, uh, so, uh, I guess my point is, is like, uh, it, you really got to, you have to pay attention to the wind and the cold, but, and the weather and all that stuff. But sometimes that goes out the window and you just got to be in the woods. Cause you just don't know during the rut. For sure. Well, I, I mean, back to your first deer this year, you know, the thing that's so cool about it for me is that it wasn't anywhere near the rut. It was super early season where most guys wouldn't be in the woods they're not even thinking about being in the woods and you're walking in sweating and you smoke a freaking, uh, a, a horse with antlers on it. Um, Oh my God. 257 pounds or something. Wasn't he? Yeah. He was, he was that, I, I think he was a little bit more than that. If I, if I had to guess, um, I don't remember the exact weight from the, uh, the meat locker now, but, um, uh, I think he was up closer to 280 if I had to guess. But he was a freaking giant man, giant body. And, uh, it's crazy when he came in, um, and I saw he's just standing there eating, uh, and he's just got mouthful of like green leaves and shit. He just looked like a big old slob, man, just a big fat buck sitting there just eating, getting fat. And I'm just, 
I'm like, well, his rack is, you know, it's like tall. It's not going to score high, but I'm like, just sitting here looking at this big, thick neck, giant body. I'm like, this dude is old, man. Yeah. So, uh, you can't you know. not shoot that guy. He's freaking huge. So, so back, you know, back up a little bit to, um, you know, you've scouted this area, you've found this, uh, pretty close to the road. You got a good bedding area. You're seeing a bunch of rubs. You've deployed some cameras. Um, so w- when did you deploy those cameras? Do you remember? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was about a month, uh, no more than a month and a half prior to that, but I would say about a month. So I usually wait, um, uh, for two, re- for a couple of reasons. So, um, I don't put my cams out necessarily as early as a lot of guys. A lot of guys start around like July. I like to wait till, uh, till like mid August. Um, the only, the only thing I ever run into is sometimes like this year, I didn't get all of my cameras out, but if you get them out too early, you, you risk a lot of things like obviously theft, but not even just theft. You, you risk your batteries, uh, you know, because if you run them in the hot temperatures, uh, they, they get a lot more false readings, um, because you get the, you get the grass heating up or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're burning through your batteries when you don't need the Intel. Cause like a lot of guys are, are jacked up about that, uh, you know, that velvet, uh, those velvet pictures and stuff. Right. And, and, and that's great, but like, I don't want pictures of deer, um, that, you know, doesn't really help me out. Any. Yeah. When you can't I, kill them. Right. I want pictures of deer, uh, when I can kill them. And, uh, so I like to wait just a little bit longer. So, um, it, sometimes it burns you. And like this year I didn't have as much time cause I was getting ready for the baby and stuff like that. So, um, I was at like 80% getting my cams out. Uh, but you know, it, it ended up being enough. So, uh, but the other thing is too, is like, I split up my camera strategy between, uh, like traditional spots that I know tend to be good monitoring pressure and, uh, you know, monitoring, uh, any movement and, and things like that. Cause you know, food sources and pressure and all that are obviously going to change things. So if I go into an area, check it, see a lot of people on it, things aren't moving. I'm probably going to X that out, move on somewhere else. Um, so I like to get out there, get them up. And like we talked about last time, uh, I always take a stick with an aider, hang it up about 10 to 12 foot. Um, use the old stick method, the, uh, you know, put the stick behind and, uh, um, angle it down. And I try to cover, um, you know, a good trail and get it hidden off the trail. You never want it. If you can help it, you never want it right on the trail aiming down, uh, for the deer and for the people. Cause deer, especially big bucks are going to spot your camera. Um, especially if that infrared's going off and it's right in their line of sight. So, Something I remember you also said is, is deploy two or three cameras in a, a smaller area, just in case one or two of them stop working or, um, absolutely. You're going to, you're going to have, you're going to have batteries screw up. You're going to have moisture. You're going to have squirrels get on there and move them around. Uh, you're going to have one get stolen. You're going to have somebody take your SD card. And if you want that Intel, that's, that's another reason why I surrounded like that, that bedding area was, um, I want, I want at least some intel of what's using it. And if this one gets messed with, that lets me know that there's people over there. Now I can move on to the next one. So I, I always look at uh, my trail camera getting messed at, messed with as a good thing too, because that gives me intel that somebody's in there and somebody doesn't want me in there. Right, they so, don't want you knowing what else is in there. Right, because most of the time, those cheap cameras aren't getting stolen because people want the cameras. They're right. getting stolen because they don't want you in there and they don't want you to have the intel. And they're trying to get you to push out of there. 
so, and the, the deer I killed this year, there was four different tree stands, uh, five actually, um, all basically circling around where I ended up killing this deer, but they were not down in that bottom where the deer were moving during daylight. So now, and I was going to ask you this later, but since you brought it up, I'll ask it now. Why, why do you think nobody was down in there? Was it hard, harder to get to or, you know, no, why? because they're sitting up on the hardwoods. They're sitting on the edges, uh, waiting for the deer to come out there. Right. Uh, they're, they know that the deer are using that as a bedding area. If they hunted enough, I mean, it's loaded up. Sure. They're thinking they're going to catch them coming out of that bottom, hit that, hit that acorn flat or heading out to that bean field or heading across the street to the, um, the cornfield and those deer, I'm not saying that that's not going to work, but a big deer. So the big deer that I shot and where he died was like a thermal hub, right? He's sitting down there. He's got his greens. He's got his water. Um, and he's got his hardwood ridge right there blocking. So if anybody's coming down there, he's going to see him. If anybody's coming from the parking lot, he's going to see him. And he's definitely going to smell anything along that Creek there. Cause that Creek and that bottom is creating like a thermal hub right there. So he, he feels comfortable down in there. And that's, I think that's why he ended up circling back around and coming back sure. in there because he just had lived down in there so long. He knew that even when people came through there, his, his escape routes were so good. So that's another thing. So, uh, I believe uh, like that a deer, if his escape route works uh, now, you can't screw with a big deer too much, but if his escape route works on an area, it just solidifies his belief that that area is good. So like sure. if you bust a big deer out of there, he's like, yeah, I got away. I'm going to come back in there. That's, th that's where he felt safe. So, yeah, I remember, uh, like Cody DeQuisto and Andre talk about that a lot, where if you're not bumping your target buck one or two or three times, you're not hunting him hard enough. And they talk oh. about, they bet they typically bed in those areas because they either saw you, smell you, or heard you before you got there. And that area worked for them. So they're going to come back. It's just a matter of time. Now you got you, you to you figure start out the kink in their armor, right? Right. You start bumping them four or five times and, you know, multiple days in a row, then obviously they're going to find somewhere else to go. But yeah, the, the other to thing too, is so said. like, so, um, uh, the, uh, the spot where he was bedded watching people that were probably coming from the, uh, uh, the parking lot, if I'd have just went that couple hundred, it was like two or 300 yards straight line, then yeah, I would have never killed that deer. But instead I, I circled around and went three times as far just to go the same distance, come in the back door where they're not used to a lot of people coming from. Cause everybody hunting those fringes is just coming to that edge there. They're not pushing in there. And uh, so if you, you, I went down back in there and got right up next to where he was bedded and where he felt safe. So so let me ask you this. Um, so you go out, you, you scout this area, you find good sign, you deploy cameras, but you, I know you don't use cell cameras or very few if you do, but there weren't any cells there. Um, so I, I never have, I just put up a thing tonight to, I saw to that. stir some shit. So yeah, that was uh, funny. I, I honestly don't care what anybody else does. I just wanted to see what everybody had to say about it. Yeah, so. it was pretty good. Yeah. And we may get to that later, but, um, so what, what made you think, this would be a good area to start with at the beginning of the season without having and going back in there, um, to check your cameras yet. So, um, it seemed like with the standing corn, uh, still on one side. Um, and then there was, uh, I knew that there was a lot of hardwoods, uh, you know, with mass in there and stuff like that. My thought was that it could be a good early season. All I had to go off of was the rubs and scrapes that were leading in there. Um, I hung my cams. I hadn't checked it. So my idea was to go along the fringe and check each rub line that I had found, see if anything opened up. 
I just, it just so happened that that first rub line just, and all the way up to the rub or to the beds that I had scouted, there was rubs and scrapes leading all up there, just like, you know, you would want there to be. So sure. at that point I didn't need to keep going and checking, um, as I went on down like the ridges, you know, cause I had, I had an entire area scouted out. Now, if nothing was opened up, You'd and I didn't pushing. see, right. So I would have kept pushing or maybe even left and went somewhere else. So, right. Okay. Uh, so was that, you said that was your third sit of the year? Yes. Was it your first one at that exact location or was, was that your third time back in there? It was my first time in that particular location. My other two times I had thrown at a totally separate area and, uh, I had had, uh, no luck at the other two spots. Um, my first day, like I said, I went in there, had a lot of issues. Um, somebody had already stolen a trail camera, um, in that area. Um, I still had really good sign in there and me and BJ actually ended up, uh, hunting up in there later. We, uh, we got on a, a nice two-year-old in there and there were bucks, that we that were in there before and after us that we just didn't see so sure monsters yeah and i had a good shit that day under bj's tree too so fantastic <laughs> yeah he 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 snuck down now that we hung together in the morning and then he was debating midday like one or two if he was going to go home go to work or if he was going to stay all day well then we checked those cameras and we're, we looked at each other and we're like well we can't leave now right we got well, 10 I, shooters in here in daylight. So he's like, all right, I'm just going to do what I got to do. So he snuck down to the <laughs> Creek. He snuck down to the Creek and fucking, uh, you know, <laughs> talked to the Lord for a minute and then came back up and he goes, all right, we're all better. <laughs> now question, did you tether yourself back to the tree? Although your feet were on the ground so you could have a good squatting position for your shit. No, 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 no. I just did old school Indian style okay. fucking letter rip. So. Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, but a good idea for you next time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Take yeah, the tether always... with you and just tie to the tree and just sit like you would normally. It would it'd be comfortable. You wouldn't <laughs> you have to worry use, about falling. If you can use a saddle, dude. Use it at the office. Absolutely. I don't care. Just, yeah. just saddle up, man. <laughs> You're in the bathroom with your saddle on. <laughs> yeah. So, your, uh, your third set of the year, your first one back in this area. Um, walk me through your your walk in what you're seeing obviously fresh sign um yeah, so first thing so actually first thing as i get down to the bottom uh i look over at the spot where i was actually thinking about setting up because it was just far enough off of the beds that i felt like they would make it out there um and it also was kind of a uh, uh like a t uh of of activity so it, it didn't it led back to it basically was where the rub line came out of the beds and led to this T and this T also went uh, another way. And so I thought that's close enough. I should be able to set up there and get a shot. Well, right as I get to the bottom three, what I believe were does took off running towards those beds and uh, they didn't snort. And I was right along the, the private public line. And uh, so there was cows over there. So I thought, uh, you know, they didn't snort. They didn't act too, alarmed you know what i mean they were in their security right. cover once again their escape route worked right and i was being so quiet like i you know once i get within that 100 yard mark uh i really i stopped like i stopped at the top of the hill uh regained my composure you want to get your breathing back normal and really focus on every step from that point because it's when you get within 100 yards or less is is when it's you know you're kind of in the in the kind of shit's getting serious zone right for sure and uh 
where they're so, going to be on the pins and needles. Well, and I didn't, uh, I didn't get in there quiet enough because they busted out. The, the wind was coming from them to me. So again, I don't think that they, they knew what exactly I was. They just knew they weren't going to stand around and find out. Right. So, and, it, um, and it probably didn't help that it, there was no hunting pressure yet at that point because it was only the third day of season. Absolutely. And you have that on your side, right? Like, uh, you know that they probably haven't seen a whole lot of people coming there yet. Sure. And uh, so I, I was like, you know what? I'm still going to go up there because uh, I saw a good rub. So as I get up there, I see a rub and a scrape. Then I get up again. I see another rub and a scrape right there. I check my camera. There's a bunch of good deer in there in September um, daylighting like within a week. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, I, while this is good and I just busted them out of there and I know those beds are up, you know, a little bit further, I've got another camera up about 60, 70 yards. I'm like, all right, I want to go check that one, get a little bit more intel. Was these, was these rubs made and scrapes made in September and these deer may necessarily have moved on, you know, maybe, maybe they were just bedding based on when the other corn was standing and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So sure. I really, I really wanted that second camera Intel and hopefully that would tell me what to do. Knowing um, that's a huge risk though. Another 60 right, exactly. yards. Yes. Because sure. I knew, I knew that I'd already pushed those other deer in there. So even they could have still been hanging out in there. Sure. And, uh, I had the wind in my favor cause the wind was blowing, uh, out of the Northwest blowing to me and then down that Creek. And so, uh, it, that was at least working in my favor going towards those beds and so as i snuck up there right as i get to the camera i look over and a giant deer busts out of this little oxbow in the uh the creek so it's like a little oxbow flat down below all of the uh the hardwood ridges there and uh so i get up there and he busts out of there and then obviously i'm i'm jack you're your adrenaline goes up but you're also super pissed at yourself for pushing for that sure. far because you're because you know when you're pushing into bedding that at some point you're past you're too far yes and you just you want to try and guess that before you get there and uh i didn't guess it right but i was going slow enough quiet enough didn't make a big stink out of it uh you know and the other thing is when i busted him i stood there for like 10 minutes so like i didn't make a a move because my thought was if he ran up and he's because a lot of times big bucks if you ever watch him they run up what 20 30 yards maybe 50 yards and they stop and they stand there and they just look stone cold stand there for you know three four minutes don't move a muscle for up to 10 15 minutes yeah it's it's crazy so i was like if he is up there i'm just going to stand here totally still and so i waited i think like 10 minutes you know maybe slightly less than that but a long time till i felt like he had probably stopped and moved on from there and so uh get up check the camera and it's kind of funny, actually, because the um, timestamp was wrong on, I can't remember which camera, but I thought it was saying that all the daytime movement on all these bucks was in the morning. And I was like, well, I just bumped this big ass deer out of here. I was like, the wind is right. I've never honestly tried a bump and dump like that before. So I'm going to back up 30, 40 yards set up. My only worry was that downwind was up in the hardwoods, but I thought... He ran off. He's probably going to stay in the security cover if he circles back around. That was my thinking. He's probably sure. not going to go up in the hardwoods where there's four tree stands. Uh, so, because if he's been living down in there, he probably knows that there's pressure up in there at some point. So, uh, I backed up to this walnut tree and uh, I got set up. And uh, all of a sudden, it was like, I think an hour and, you know, hour and a half, hour and 20 minutes later, 
either him, it was either a bigger buck that was on camera or him. I still don't know for sure because I caught a glimpse and I caught a big ass rack from behind, from behind, and they all look big from behind. So, um, I don't know if it was messing with shit, but but anyway, he come back around and uh, he stood there eating for minutes. And uh, when he finally offered a shot, I took it and uh, hit him a little far back. So, hey guys, I hate to be that guy, but I got to take off, go to protect and serve the community. You've right, been man. such a valuable part of this conversation. We're gonna miss <laughs> no, you so I, well, I've, I've been listening to a story I've already heard, so. I know. <laughs> hey, be safe out there tonight, buddy. Yeah, you too. I'll see you guys later. I'll see you, Brian. I'll see you Wednesday. All right. I love you. All right. Love you, goo. Love you too. Oh, fucking. Love you, girl. Love you. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't weird. We ain't kissing cousins. All right. See ya. Later, bro. Toodles. <laughs> so um yeah let's let's go back to the shot though let's uh how long did you you said you, you went back about 30 to 40 yards and is that i mean i'm not super familiar with bump and dump because i'm not very good at hunting but um obviously that's probably something to do with wind correct yes well so uh the the idea is that um uh, they're going to circle back around behind where uh, whatever it was bumped them. So at least 30, 40 yards, sometimes more. But the idea was to get back far enough that, uh, if, if they came back and circled around, because if I, if I would have backed up even farther, I wouldn't have had a shot at this deer. So right. if I'd have went all the way back to where I bumped those does, uh, there's a chance, but he, he wasn't coming that way. He was circling back around to go back to his bed. Uh, and then probably feed out into those hardwoods, you know, eventually, and then out sure. into the ag. Uh, but so my thought was back up 30, 40 yards set up and there was plenty, there was other deer on the, the camera. So there was multiple deer that I would have shot. There was one really big deer, um, that was probably upper one forties, you know, maybe mid one forties that I, pro- I would have definitely shot. Yeah. And then, uh, I didn't even notice the deer that I shot until, when I was up in the tree stand and I, I, cause not on that original card pull, but I'm going through and I'm like, Oh shit, there's another deer in this photo on the scrape. And it was two days ago, um, daylighting. And so, uh, when I saw that, it gave me a little bit more faith that maybe another deer might come through there too. So. Sure. Oh yeah. So, and all this is on, or not all this, but some of the things that we're talking about are on the video. So if people go look at good set productions on YouTube, they'll see all this. Um, so you said the shot was a little back. So, um, tell me about like how he came in on you, um, and shot selection and everything like that. Yeah. So, uh, so I was set up for him to come. So, so everything ended up working out the way I wanted it to. They circled, he circled around the way that I wanted, or he was just in another satellite bed and was working back around to, uh, you know, that area and then was going to go back up through the same way that the other buck was. Uh, it's one of those two things. So, uh, I'd like to say that I did my first, you know, bump and dump, but there's a, there's a slight chance that it wasn't him. I'll give you credit uh, for it. Yeah. However, he did die in the same exact spot that I jumped the other deer out of. So it, where he felt safe right in that spot. So there's sure. a good chance it was him. Anyway, uh, he come in and, uh, like I said, once I, once I decided that he was a shooter, uh, I was waiting for that, you know, that perfect shot. And, I seen there, there was these two trees where there was up and down, but there was going to be an opening there um, because there was a bunch of brush where he was feeding. 
And once I realized that he was not going to make it any closer to me and he was going to, he was going to cut back towards the Creek. I knew that that was my one chance uh, to take a shot. So I drew back as he was entering into that. And once I saw, uh, well, I should say, actually, once he got into that and once I saw that he, he turned his head and the whole front part of his body to give me the, the biggest look at his vitals that I could, that's when I pulled back and shot. And, uh, uh I have a tendency whenever I feel rushed sometimes to make a bit of a snapshot. And, uh, I did that here and I, I brought my head off just a little bit, just enough to where it threw that arrow just a little bit to the right. And, uh, it uh, definitely was not where I was aiming by about probably five inches to the right. So uh, that's all it takes. So, yeah, what's still, I mean, it's still a very impressive shot because you, you really did throw the needle and you can tell on the video, um, yeah, was, you didn't have it, much of a, much of a gap to shoot through. And you, I mean, you nailed it. It was like 30, 35 yards. Some, it yeah. was in between 30 and 35 yards somewhere in yeah. there. So when you're and, shooting uh, in between two, two trees that are pretty damn close, at 35 yards. I mean, that's, that's a tough shot. So some people might say, don't take the shot. I, uh, I felt like it was, I felt like I had enough vitals. Um, I practice, you know, at 40 all the time I've killed deer. I've killed big deer at 40 before. So I didn't feel a problem with taking the shot. Um, but I went sometimes, like I said, when I, when I feel like that's it, I've got a step or two left and I, sure. I go to take that shot. Uh, I felt, you know, mentally rushed and, uh, and that's when mistakes happen. It's, so. Yeah, and it's easy to do because things happen super quick in yeah. the woods, uh, especially when you know that's your one opportunity. So, I mean, I make question, questionable shots all the time, but I tell people, you know, I, I put the practice in and I have the confidence. So if I didn't have the confidence to make that shot, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, so. and, uh, and you know, I, I hate the way that it ended up happening because uh, you people don't understand that we we chase these animals. We love, like, we actually really, I, like, I love the white-tailed deer as far as, like, I – just am addicted to chasing them, watching them, talking about them. Uh, Respect you know, the hell just, out of them. Right. And like, I, you know, I let 50 of them walk and just watch them and I kill one and we eat it. And, you know, so uh, even though we're out there, you know, big antlers are nice. Uh, you know, I do respect the animal and I hate how it actually ended up happening as far as the deer um, suffering overnight. So, but you did, I mean, you played, played it right. And, you know, whenever people watch it in the video, they can see that you backed out immediately. Uh, you right. knew the shot well, was back. And at that point, you're, once you realize you made a bad shot, uh, now you owe it to the animal to put it down as quick as you possibly can. And in that case, the only way that I was going to be able to, to end it quickly was to back out as quietly um, as possible, not let it see any, uh, any lights, not let it hear any noise. So I actually left my you know, super expensive running gun set up up in the tree took my bottom stick and my bow and, uh, headed back the way I came super quiet, uh, minus, uh, dropping my GoPro 360 from the tree stand and <laughs> have to look it. for it. Yeah. So after a 20 minute, uh, search through the weeds for that, uh, then I, I headed out. What, and, what time uh, was it that you shot him? Roughly six, six twenty five, six thirty, somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I, I knew that the gut shot, you got to give him 12, 15 hours. Uh, and he didn't tear I, ass out of there. I mean, he, you watched him kind of walk off. Yeah. He was in a safe place and he just didn't know what the hell happened. So, uh, right. for him, he was like, I, you know, I'm just going to go hole up somewhere. And, uh, and that's what he did. So I was, I was hoping that's what he did. And sure. then when we came back in the morning, sure enough, he was right there, uh, you know, down there in the Creek. So sneaking through with 
a fucking ogre. Yeah. <laughs> with no, but so you guys, Brian and uh, yeah, and Woody with the light. So yeah, so um, yeah, you guys go in the next day and actually jump him up right in that oxbow, like you said, and then uh, he stopped. And you're which, by to... the way, I got to I got to give Woody a shout out because he's helped me drag out like three deer now. So I give him a hard time about stuff, but uh, he's always answered the call. So for he's sure. good buddy. Yep. Yep. So um got the got the job finished got a got a good fatal hit on him and he he went down right away um so congrats again on a fucking nice buck yeah man thank you and uh so. i was super happy to just get it done thinking like hey man my daughter's coming i gotta if i'm gonna make it happen it's gotta be before she gets here uh because i knew i was gonna be uh i was gonna you know be pre preoccupied with other things more important once she got here so uh yeah. i was just happy to get uh one down and I thought if I could get another one down, that's just a bonus. So, right. Well, two things, two main things that I take out of it are, um, you know, if, if you put in the work and find where they're at, big mature deer, big mature bucks move in daylight early October. Oh yeah. So that's one because it's a, it's a big myth. A lot of people don't even go in the woods because of it. And that's why, like people ask me why I put so much time starting October one. Like they're, they're out there, they are living and they're still, they're still moving around. Maybe not as much, but, um, I just got to find that right spot and I just haven't yet, but that's why I, I grind in October. Cause I'm, they're still, they're still, they're still out there living and, and they, they can be found and they can be killed. So you just you know. got to understand that it's, it's two totally separate types of hunting from the rut. And once you separate that and mentally adjust, uh, it becomes a whole lot easier because just go if you're just going to go out there sit in a good spot and hope for the best you're going to get minimal results i mean you, you may end up in a good spot and you may have one coming through but you really have to plan for the wind the thermals um uh, your your bedding and your food source and your pressure you have to figure that out as opposed to during the rut you're looking at a lot more doe bedding um mm -hmm. and the way that you play the wind is a lot different too so like if you know a deer is bedded somewhere in October and you, you're going to try and get as close to him as you can with the wind in your favor as kind of like a crosswind, right? Uh, because you still want him to be using that bed, sure. but you also have to get in there close and tight to it. Uh, so you, you have to have the wind somewhat in your favor. Whereas during the rut, you're going in there with kind of a different mentality of bedding of like, okay, does are going to bed right here bucks are going to be crossing their path here, uh, scent checking them. So, uh, you want to be downwind from where you think the bucks are going to be scent checking the does. Right. Right. So yeah. it's a totally different kind of way you're looking at it. Um, at least for me, uh, yeah, for sure. Right? And there's no other, there's no way for me at least to learn other than being out there and experiencing it. Well, and the, so and the other thing is people, process. people are missing out if they don't hunt that, uh, that 10 to two movement during, uh, Oh, hold up. I think your battery's going to uh, die here in a little bit. Yeah, I know. Well, so my, uh, you know, it's a huge revelation when you go out there and uh, you start realizing that uh, those big bucks are moving in the middle of the day, man. They just are. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, they have been to the they've been to the big show multiple times and they know better than to go check in uh, bedding areas that don't have does in them. Right. So I think that they obviously there's pressure pushing around, especially on public, but I think even more so because a lot of people don't realize those big bucks, they, they, uh, they don't, they don't scare the same, like a doe will. I think a lot of times they'll sit in their in their bedding and just sit tight 
almost like a rabbit sometimes and and they'll watch you go by and different things so yeah i don't think pressure always is as much of a role when it comes to uh, archery hunting on public it can be but as far as like getting them moving um i think a lot of it has to do with the middle of the day of where the does are so because yeah. you you always catch them um in the middle of the day and they're not running or anything like that they are moving you know from one from one doe bedding area to the next um checking it you know what i mean and they're they're looking in where there should be does and they're and they're checking it out so for sure so yeah that was i mean back to it that was one point um they're moving midday or moving not midday but um early season bucks still move during daylight but two you talked i mean there was three or four ladder stands within how many yards of this place set like uh there was four ladder stands nobody within probably was creative enough um what's that Oh, we got a little bit of lag going. Yeah. Uh, so there was like four, there was four uh, ladders. Well, actually, there was uh, two hang-ons and two ladder stands, and they were all within about 70, 80 yards from where I killed that buck. Um, there was another hang-on probably 100 yards the other way, the way I came in. So, uh, yeah. so I mean, that shows was, that just because you're on public, just because there's stands and there's obvious pressure, um, you know, sometimes being creative can make the difference, and you can still get it done even with those odd stacked against you well and, and my thoughts were they were all along the edge of the private so either their guys coming off of the private onto the public and not pressuring that bottom or their guys on public and if they are hunting over there uh they're probably not going through the bottom uh, and if they are then i was just going to keep moving if there was no sign there was no sign but there was too much historical sign uh for me to just write it off because there was it was just a clear-cut runway of rubs and scrapes uh you know if you know what to look for sure so. now let me ask you it's it's kind of hard to tell in the in the video um and maybe this is a reason why nobody's down there but um for me at least i i'm trying to learn how deer move by by watching them right um mm -hmm. so sometimes i try to plan and i get a stand somewhere where i can see a lot of area um, do you think maybe that that's what they're doing? Thinking I'm on a field edge deer come to the field. I can see a long ways away. I can see a lot of deer hardwoods. I can see through the woods. Whereas maybe this bottom was thicker. Uh, like I said, it's hard to see in the video how thick it is down there, but I mean, what was your field of view? Okay. So, so that's the thing is, so like there's different kinds of bedding and, uh, I believe that, that he was utilizing both sight and, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, his nose his scent right so i think he was utilizing both in that area which because there's a strong thermal pull down at that creek in that bottom right there uh, but i also think that he was used to pressure coming from a certain way i don't think that the pressure from behind him on those hardwood ridges was necessarily coming down there and never really busting him out unless sure. they shot something or whatever uh, i do think that he's used to it coming from the the road uh on on the public you know what i mean because it was mm -hmm. it was really close to the the parking lot and right. so I think that's the way he was set up. Um, and then also anything, any scent coming from down that Creek or from over there, he would smell probably before they even got there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he could look the way that I was coming. Cause it was more open. Okay. Right. So, um, and so the, where I was at was an open area pushed up against the Creek and then it was brushy all along to the right. So it was kind of like a force field of anything that had to come through there had to come through that brush, yep. anything that came over that, that hardwood ridge um he's gonna see you know as they're coming up over that ridge or here sure and then he's gonna bust out of there so 
especially being on that oxbow uh, with the creek surrounding him, he was he was kind of pushed up against that uh, that wall right there uh, of that hardwoods, and he felt he felt probably impenetrable if I had to guess, and he sure. was because yeah he bust he busted me right That's right so, you're just stealthy enough for him not to know what it was absolutely I think I think that not not I think with uh, one thing with uh, uh, what do you call it with age or with uh, uh, experience, experience, I should say. Yeah. With experiences, just not freaking out because there was a time in my life where I've been like, son of a, you know, throwing oh, a fit sure. and like, well, this, this day's over. Like yeah. I just spooked out a giant buck. Like I'm going home. Like, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, just having enough uh, knowledge of, of what deer do when they're spooked and uh, you know, also what they're looking for because they're looking for movement. Like, and what kind of spook there was, you know, you knew you didn't spook the hell like super hard. I knew he didn't smell me. I knew he didn't know exactly what I was. Cause I was going way too slow for him to know mm. what I was. And I was kind of through a little bit of a tree or whatever. So he just knew there was something there that probably wasn't supposed to be there. He wasn't sure what it was. He's going to err on the side of caution. Cause he's been bumped from that spot enough times. Sure. And so he, he just made a big loop, big, you know, he, he went up, went around and figured, Hey, that guy's probably pushed on by now. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, even a good example of that. Um, so I have this new thermal monocular. I fucking love it. Um, but I got into a tree, uh, yeah, a tree stand here by my house. So, um, oh, it was been about three weeks ago now and mm-hmm. it was dark. So I'm using that while well, I see a deer bedded down on the, um, so I'm kind of on the top kind of bowls down on the bottom and then it goes to another ridge up top on the other side. And so the deer was bedded on that ridge or that hillside. And I watched the coyote through the thermal come in and kick him up or kick it up. Like you can't tell if it's um, male or female, but kick that deer up. And then they let the, they realized it was a coyote and then let it run by. And then, I mean, 15 yards, walked 15 yards and just laid right back down. So they get, Absolutely. they get jumped up all the time, you know, so oh, as, long dude, as, I- as long as they don't see you or hear you, then, or see you or smell you, they're, they're hearing you, obviously that's why they're getting out of there. But if they don't know what you are, I think you're obviously you're fine. Well, and I, and just to prove my point on that, uh, another thing. So, uh, uh, the next time I went out after that kill, uh, up on the ridge where I eventually ended up killing my shotgun buck, um, uh, I get up in there and well, I had five coyotes chasing a, a little doe by me in, in, uh, at first light. But, um, the, what I'm trying to say is that, uh, the, I ended up getting busted by a doe and she snorted probably. I, I don't know, 20 times right there while she's standing there 20 yards mm-hmm. looking at me, but I'm staying close to the tree. I'm not moving just because she's busted me. doesn't mean it's game over. No. She doesn't, she still doesn't know what I am. Yeah. She knows, she knows I'm not supposed to be there. Right. She knows I'm something new. Uh, you know what I mean? And she's, she's doing her job and she's alerting, uh, you know, any, anything that she needs to, and she's stomping, she's snorting. But uh, what's funny is, is she left. And then all of a sudden I would hear like a half an hour later, she came back in and was snorting again. So yeah. like, I think for like an hour, maybe an hour and a half period, I think three different times she snorted. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like multiple times of when I'm going to say three, I mean, like came was snorting multiple times because she knew that was where she wanted to bed or where she was used to coming in and feeling secure and something wasn't right in there. Sure. And, uh, but I had multiple deer after her one, the next one being a, a giant buck at 20 yards right where she had just been uh like an hour and a half before an hour before at like 10 o'clock in the morning and so 
just because you have a deer uh, scare or snort, I mean, they are used to, when I ended up killing my buck, I busted out a giant flock of turkeys that I'd seen every time in there. And they were making <laughs> seven kinds of hell, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, the other times when I went in there and had, had deer, I busted deer out of the creek. I could hear bucks, you know, running out of the creek and, and snorting and stuff like that. But like they are used to disturbance. So for sure, uh, unless they are 100% certain that something is in there and it's making a bunch of noise, it's not leaving or, you know what I mean? Like they're, that, that doesn't mean that it's game off to them. Oh yeah. You, you sit in the woods long enough and you'll hear deer blow all over the place. Nowhere yep. even near you. You just hear it. And I mean, those are, especially those, those old nannies that are just smart. I mean, they're, they're old and big for a reason. They they're scared of everything. You know, it could be a freaking Absolutely. bird that scared them enough. So I mean, I think maybe it, it puts the other deer that are in the area on the edge a little bit more and maybe a little bit more cautious and uses the wind a little bit more. But like you said, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily stop them from going wherever the wherever they were gonna go. Right. And a lot of the times younger deer are, you know, the younger does and stuff like that are snorting. They've seen their, you know, they've seen the the mom, sure. the nanny doe or whatever do it and stuff like that. So they're, yeah, they're mimicking it at things. And I mean, the bucks don't really paying that much attention a lot of the time so they might look like when she was snorting i had oh hold up edit this out <laughs> nah it's all raw we're going with it all that's all right let me get this sucker back so when she was snorting though i had a button buck actually bedded 20 yards from me right where i ended up shooting at that bigger buck he was they were in a, it was in a thicket uh, like 20 yards from me. And he had been coming in there and just been bedding in there for like 20, 30 minutes. He probably would have sat there for a couple hours. She come in the same trail, which when he came in on the trail, I knew for a fact, if a more mature deer came, they were going to, they were, I, like I had already called. I was like, if a big doe comes right in here, uh, I'm going to get busted. Or if a big buck comes down that trail, I'm going to have to shoot him right. before he gets to the point of no return. But anyway, as she was going off that button buck, he didn't freak out and run out of there. He got up like, what now? Yeah, right. Okay, whatever. Like stood there for a little bit, kind of looking around, still eating, and then just slowly made his way off. Like, all right, I guess I'll leave. Like as she's still going batshit crazy up there. Mm -hmm. So like even even this button buck didn't really care that much while she was standing there doing it. So if that tells oh, yeah. you anything about how seriously they take, you know, the blowing. So. Oh, yeah. Like I said, they blow all the damn time. So it's not a game over. So excuse me um so moving forward to your second one man you shot another another big boy um first season shotgun correct yeah so let's break that one down yeah so that was uh opening morning i think roughly 7 30 or so um uh, unless you don't want to give that. too many details before the video comes out yeah <laughs> that's that's the thing is uh i don't want to ruin it man but I, uh, I love that i don't that think rawness I don't think uh, a whole lot of people watch shotgun videos anyway. I, you know, you catch a lot of, of sh uh, flack anytime you shoot something with a gun. So uh, I don't, I don't care. I'm unapologetically a gun hunter. So yeah. uh, I, I shot took this 300 one. blackouts uh, today. Yeah, I, I don't care, man. I love hunting. And uh, like you probably saw a post I put on uh, the, the running gun or the mobile hunter site, which basically to me, it's just, you know, it's just as awesome to get out there, open yeah. a morning gun. You hear the gunshots going, you know. And, uh, another point to that too, is like when I shoot him, shot this one with a gun, he went down, there was no, there was right. no question. There was no suffering. It was just, boom, he was done. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, 
there, there's nothing wrong with shooting with a gun as far as I'm concerned. So. No, and honestly, and this is something I, I, I keep trying to work towards is like you hear a lot of people talk about how they grew up and as they were like kids, they would go to the hunt camp with their parents or grandparents and they would all have like this big camp all weekend. They go out, you know, with their blaze orange on and it was it was a tradition and it was something that they remember for the rest of their life year after year after year. And it's something that I want to start because I didn't have that. Um, but like my, my dad growing up, um, when I was growing up, like we didn't have a whole lot of money, but he worked his ass off. So he didn't have time to go hunt. He, he liked to go, he had a bow, he had a shotgun and we lived out in the country, but he just couldn't go enough to justify Mm -hmm. it because he had to go work. I mean, he's construction, uh, work construction his whole life. Um, so I, I usually get a shotgun tag or firearms tag, but I'll take my bow out just because a lot of the areas I hunt private land, um, it's super thick. So if I'm, if I'm shooting something, I'm going to shoot it with my bow because I'm not gonna be able to shoot it with a gun regardless. It's just not going to, I can't see them before they get too close, but, um, you know, I asked him and he actually went out with with me this morning. It was the first time I ever hunted with my dad. And it was just, it was just awesome. I mean, you're not, I wasn't like super worried about even seeing deer, definitely not even caring if I killed a deer, but just being out there with him and, maybe starting something that, that maybe throughout the years we'll be able to continue. Cause I know he had a good time. Like I said, he, he tried hunting whenever he was a kid or whenever he was a young adult and we were kids, um, but just never could take the time. But now he's, he's older and doing, doing a different gig. He, he has the time a little bit more. Um, so it's something that I want to maybe try to start with him and maybe even go farther, but I feel like with gun hunting, you can really make that tradition and really get other people involved. Um, and that's then awesome, maybe man. lead towards, towards bow hunting, but yeah, that's kind of cool. It's a cool little thing that yep. happened today. My favorite thing too is like when you're out and you know that all your buddies, all your relatives are out, like throughout bow season, you might just be out or your buddy might be out the next day, you know, one or two, but like every person that you know is out in the woods that day. And like, there's guns blazing, there's deer running around. Like you never know what is going to get pushed off of the, the private that day. You never know, you know, you have no idea. It's just this kind of like, there's so much like, uh, you know, uh, hope and, sure. uh, wonder that goes into that first morning, man. I love right. it. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, or, or every day after that, but especially like opening morning, like you go out, the woods has been untouched, uh, as far as gun hunting. And, uh, it's like, man, it's all about to break loose. And that yeah. first gun shot goes off and, uh, you're, you're looking, you're like, all right, where's, you know, where are they? They, they should yep. be coming. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's, so, it's always cool. Every year the hunting public does, um, I believe Jake is the one that, uh, every year he he goes out with the family and he sits with his uh, i don't pay enough attention but it's his brother or his cousin or something and they sit there together in the in the elevated blind and just have a freaking heyday just shooting the shit out yeah of i watched i cool. watched both yeah i watched a couple of those just recently too and yeah, yeah. It, exactly uh i never had a spot growing up where i could do that it was always me yeah. and just my uncle because like like you my dad worked two jobs and never was able to do you know sure. much fun stuff so uh my it was me and my uncle uh going out and uh i'd sit in one uh wooden ladder stand he'd sit in another and uh you know that was that was just that so um i it it would be awesome to actually go and sit up in a blind with somebody and hang out and shoot the shit and sit there and shoot like they do i think that'd be pretty cool yeah that that was that was kind of what i had with my dad this morning it was was pretty cool obviously no deer and we didn't shoot anything but I mean, he, he, I, I never knew how much my dad even put into hunting, but he told me a couple hunting stories and a, a big buck that he chased on our property back, um, back then. And it just never could. He said he had two encounters with it. 
um and one of which he shot at and he it was like whenever the mechanicals first came out and uh as soon as he shot it, it actually deployed and it hit his riser and kicked off i don't oh, know it's weird shit, but man. he had a, too short of an arrow or something but um said he completely completely whiffed because of the mechanical and you know he said that like a, a neighbor killed that buck a couple years later and it was just a giant but um pretty cool like i never knew that about my dad and i've been you know hardcore hunting for the last four years and i don't know it was just it was a cool experience yeah i got to take my uh, wife and kid out last year and uh sit in the blind with them and that was that was something else they were on their cell phones the whole time oh, and for didn't sure. really care whatsoever but yeah uh, daddy, daddy was in heaven so yeah well and so um my girlfriend she's got a nine-year-old son and um i took him out last year and he just wasn't he did more sleeping and playing on the cell phone like you said than anything but he kind of enjoyed himself um but i've not pushed him to get back out just because he hasn't really said anything about it but eventually want to get to that but took him on his first blood trail this year um my neighbor um shot a doe not too far away and so we took him on the blood trail and because i i have this tendency to shoot deer in the head or the spine so i don't ever have to have a blood trail so i can't ever take him on one of mine <laughs> so i gotta have i gotta rely on my friends to do it for me but he you know he ate it up he loved it so it's it's something that i like i said i want to start um a deer camp vibe and i don't know we'll see how it goes i gotta find somewhere to do it first yeah you know man i i would love to someday like i love hunting public but i really really want to uh, you know have a spot where you can just have you know five guys ten guys and we kind of have that with with bj's uh spot yeah. uh and uh, it's pretty cool but uh uh i rarely like we don't have it during shotgun we have right. a like a doe weekend for bow which is pretty cool but yeah i need to make it camaraderie but it'd be awesome i feel like if we had one uh a place to do it during shotgun too yeah it would be cool um, so yeah, back to your, your second buck, I mean, tell as much as, or as little as you want. Um, you know, I don't know how much you're showing on the video as far as like the, like you said, there's two different, two different kinds of scouts compared to, you know, it's completely different compared to your first buck. Um, so I don't know if you really go into that in your, your video. So, I mean, if not, then this is definitely your opportunity to kind of explain that before the video drops. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, th like. I've, I've killed lots of different deers or deer, excuse me, with, uh, it's, it's always some form of scouting, but it doesn't necessarily have to just be like what I talked about, like traditional fine buck Boots sign. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, so, uh, this time I, I, it was a new, a totally new, uh, piece of property that I had hunted before, uh, a new piece of public. So what I did is, uh, basically map scouted it, look for points of interest, uh, loaded up the backpack with, uh, you know, with, uh, cams and then went out to each point of interest and started obviously scouting boots on the ground and then threw up, uh, cameras. I think I shotgun like six to eight cams out over on different points of interest, uh, so that I could figure out, uh, really, I want to know pressure. <clears throat> That's the biggest thing is like, how many people am I seeing on there and how am I seeing bucks during daylight, uh, during season. And so that's, that's really the two biggest things that I care about because, um, it, you know, and also time of year, but definitely like if I'm seeing bucks during daylight pretty regularly and uh, I'm not seeing people regularly, and then, then I can formulate a plan on how to get in there, uh, you know, during different winds and, and not being seen or heard. That's you. Oh. Once again, blackout, we're going to kill this damn battery if we, 
that's the last damn thing we do. And you can always go for a drive around the block. Yeah. I'm just, I'm telling you, dude, uh, our podcast together are just cursed. There's always, there's always going to be something wrong. There's as long as we, can, as, long as we can, as long as we can release this one, it'll be all right. <laughs> so, uh, let me see. There we go. Oh yeah. That's going to give you some wind noise, but all right. So, uh, anyway, um, I shotgun six to eight, uh, cams out there and, uh, uh, I actually didn't hunt it all of last year. I just let all these cams soak the entire year, all the way up to like January or February. And just like I had guessed, because you can usually rule out 80, 90% of your spots. Right. Sure. And, uh, I put them sometimes though, you'll be surprised. Cause like when you're map scouting, uh, you're always like, Oh, that's too obvious of a spot. Like everybody's going to go there. So every once in a while, you'll be surprised. Like everybody else is thinking that's too obvious of a spot. So, Absolutely. you know, you're, you, it still pays to throw up a cam in some of those more obvious spots. Cause every once in a while, nobody's in there. And, right. uh, but on this particular one, I had one camera stolen. I had people on uh, three or four of the cams. And then this one spot was just lots of daylight active uh, bucks and no people. And it had a perfect access. Um, and it made a lot of sense cause it was just a small chunk butted up next to a Creek right next to the road. And it was a very tiny piece that was separate from the rest of it. And so I, and it also butted up to a couple of different, uh, private pieces. So I thought a lot of people are probably ruling this out based on all of that. So, sure. uh, but I had bucks all three times, uh, that I was in there. The first time I had that shooter and a bunch of other deer in there. The next time I had a couple of different three-year-olds in there, I could have shot a really nice three-year-old, uh, right there at the base of my tree. Uh, the second time I went in there. And then of course, that last time I went in there, I was kind of thinking it was going to be money. The reason I really picked it out other than just having luck. Cause like, <clears throat> yeah, of course I seen bucks in there and this and that, but I was thinking that, um, because there was multiple different pieces of, uh, private that there was a good chance that on at least one of those, there was going to be some pressure pushing deer. Sure. And since they felt safe in there, whenever I was hunting, and those other times and they felt like it was a safe area uh the does and the bucks i was like well there's definitely going to be something that feels like they can use this security cover and mm-hmm. slip on by to wherever they're going and it's exactly what happened first uh i heard some shots over on the the private a doe came by and then about 10 15 minutes later that buck come creeping through um had a little bit of a limp and he came creeping through right at the top of the ridge uh, right on the, the edge of the, uh, the cover, you know, he was kind of still staying just inside of that cover and he was, he was being real cautious. You know, you could tell he probably either was, was shot at or was around when something else was just getting shot at down there. Right. And, uh, I, I dropped him at like 25, 30 yards. So I could have, uh, nice. I could have popped him with the bow, but, um, like I said, I don't, I don't really care. It was, it was an awesome hunt and, uh, equal opportunity for everybody. Yeah. So he, he was, uh, just a just a hair under 140 and that's that's how i ended my season so i was happy another season in the books tagged out yeah and the i will tell you this is uh be careful what you wish for because uh uh you reach a point after you've tagged out where you're like shit i want to hunt man like you can always go kill some does yeah but getting up at 2 30 in the morning with uh, you know yeah with everything else going on in your life is a lot easier when you got a buck tag in your pocket i'll tell you uh, that. i hear you i still got one so, but, uh, oh, uh, about that other hunt. So, uh, just to give you a little bit of insight too. <clears throat> so 
I got, I knew that I had to beat everybody else out there because I figured on shotgun with the pressure. Yeah. I probably wasn't going to be the only person on this public thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I get out there. I, I woke up at two 30, get out there at like four and I'm already do my interview, go to leave. And a, a dude pulls up right next to me and he's like, Hey, where are you going? I'm like, I said, I'm not shy. I said, this is where I'm going. He's like, that's exactly where I was headed. I was like, well, good thing I beat you here. And uh, well, you know, in a nice way, but right. like, he was like, uh, yeah, he's like, I'll go over here. I was like, all right, bet. And, uh, so then when I killed that deer and I come back to the, uh, uh, parking lot, a couple of guys there was up here from Southern Illinois and they was hunting together. And he's like, uh, we get to talking and they actually ended up helping me drag it out of there. That's and, awesome. uh, yeah, it, they, they helped Woody came and helped and, uh, we get up there and, uh, they're like, dude, holy shit. They're like, first of all, this is ridiculous to get up here to kill a deer. But then they're like, uh, uh, what time did you get up? Cause we, you weren't, you know, we got here early. We stayed right down the road and you were already here. Like we camped yeah. right down the road and I'm like, yeah, I was up at two, got here at four. They're like, holy shit. Yeah. You definitely beat us. But um, my point in telling that is, is like, you can't, you can't be relaxed, man. Like you have to, you got to force yourself to be the first guy there and the last one out. Like, uh, Cause that made all the difference in the world. I wouldn't have shot that buck if I had gotten up 20 minutes later, that dude would have right. been there and he would have went in there. So well, it's like, uh, the WCB guys have been talking quite a bit. Kurt says it all the time. Last or several podcasts is uh, effort kills deer, you know, putting in that extra effort. Yeah. And, and honestly, like, I think we talked about before, like, um, it's really not when you do put in the effort, uh, it, not coming from a cocky standpoint, it's just really not surprising when it works out. Like, like it used to it used to be when i was younger it was like way more amazing that i had shot if i had shot a big buck or shot a deer because it was like so much more of a surprise and so almost like winning the lottery right that's, and then that's like, where i'm at right yeah you're like holy shit like yeah, you're standing over that like, just happened right yes and then as you go down the rabbit hole and you start really putting in the work and understanding things more and when it happens you're happy but you're no, you don't have that surprise anymore. You're like, sure. yeah, like, of course he came out of there because that's how I drew that's it up. What, that's what they do. Right. Yeah, right. Like well, at least through, one through, out of every years, 10 times, I yeah. gotta be right. Right. So, through years of learning and putting the pieces together, it's starting to come together. So you shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Right. And, uh, the cool thing too, was, uh, you know, uh, killing one on a totally separate piece of ground, uh, made me feel like, even though I killed him in lots of different areas on this other piece of public, made me feel like not just a one trick pony too. Like I can go anywhere, scout and kill deer. So, right. Yeah. It's one thing to find somewhere on public where year after year you can get it done, but to to keep spreading out and keep, keep having success. It says a lot. Right. And, uh, I, I do have, I do have traditional, uh, you know, rut stands where I'll sit all day year after year, because like we talked about with your buddy on that, uh, that, that place where you can get in, if you have a place with does during the rut and you know, there's does there, uh, go sit there. Like, yeah. Why wouldn't don't, you don't, don't get involved. Like you don't have to overcomplicate it. Sure. <laughs> like, Oh, I have to go, you know, run and gun to this spot and that spot. Like, no, there's does there. Go hunt it. Like yeah. hunt it all day. Yeah. You know, put your effort becomes your effort now becomes like forcing yourself to sit there day in, day out all day long, four days in a row. Now that's, that's how you're focusing your efforts as opposed to before you were killing yourself, scouting for the rubs and all that. 
This time you're grinding it out and forcing yourself to mentally just deal with all the bullshit, the harsh weather and everything that comes with the rut. So sure. Oh yeah. Well, congrats again on that, on, on both of them actually. Um, yeah. But getting it done again. So, I mean, I kind of want to be conscious of your time. We're getting to 11 PM and I know you got, Bedtime, it's okay. But, I'm, I'm good if you are. I don't care. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine because I was about to go down another rabbit hole. Um, yeah, let's do it. Because uh, whenever you talk about spots like that where um, you know that, I mean, you said that was your, what, third sit in that spot? Is uh, that correct? Yeah. The, the yep. second deer. So yep. the deer felt comfortable in there, um, obviously. However, it was, it was October 22nd was the first sit in there because okay. based off of historical data, I knew that it started heating up late October, um, and early November. So, and, and then after that first sit, knowing that does were in there feeling comfortable and bucks were in there wanting to bed and hang out. I was like, I have to throw another sit at this place. Sure. Uh, and, and you know, I knew there was a good caliber of deer in there too. So, yep. well, I, I know, like a, I know there's, I know there's a ton of avenues of, as to why I'm, I'm kind of, um, not seeing the success that I, I would like, I know it has a lot to do with a lot of stuff. Um, but it seems like every time I have any, any of, you know, human intrusion anywhere I go and I find, find deer, I'm like, Oh, I want to come back here because I'm seeing a good deer. It's like they disappear. So again, I'm sure there's a lot of different avenues, but I, I want to start asking about some kind of gear. Um, but most specifically, what, what do you do as far as like scent control, um, to try to try to help yourself out with that human intrusion? Um, milkweed and your entrance, entrance routes, literally zero uh scent showers zero anything uh i crap at the base of my tree like um so when i was younger i went down the rabbit hole of scent control right sure and i literally would do every single step because you got to think back in the early 2000s uh you know the deer hunting shows were all telling us like and that was back when everybody was still buying into like you have to be totally scent free and you have to buy this product and buy that, you know, and, uh, and then you, you if you have, use this product, you don't have to worry about the wind. Yeah. You have to have this acorn cruncher and you're going to have them running to you and all that stuff. So, um, everybody, or at least I was, I was young. I really wanted to kill deer and I was kind of in, in your, not necessarily, you're not young, but kind of in your stage of like, Hunting wanted to career, kill deer, sure. was willing yeah. to put in the work, but didn't really know how to focus my efforts. Right. And so, I always, since I didn't understand as much deer, deer movement, uh, thermals, winds, things like that, uh, I wanted to cover my scent because I always thought like, if the deer comes in downwind, I want to be able to not be, you know, not be smelled and stuff like that. Um, But I found, uh, number one, I don't think that you can ever fully eliminate it. Some guys say you can diminish it enough to make it to where it buys you a few extra seconds, or maybe they don't blow. Maybe they just kind of, I don't know, because you can argue that back and forth all day with different amounts of pressure and, uh, you know, whatnot. So I, we, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because there's no, there's no obvious, uh, winner there, but I will tell you this. So I remember like a turning point for me was I hunted this, uh, like 200 acre, uh, private piece. And, uh, these guys, this father son, uh, combo hunted it there old Carl and young Carl and young Carl smoked cigarettes. Right. And he had this old, Mm -hmm. old bear bow, which I started with an old bear bow, but I had moved up to like a, you know, a Matthews at the time, I think an outback or something. And it had a big old cam. And I remember him even commenting like, man, look at the big cam on that. 
and he's standing there smoking a cigarette, showing me like a, a picture of this, uh, this 140 some inch deer. And he's got walls full of deer and stuff like that. And, uh, I'm sitting there worried about him getting smoke on my clothes because right. I had just gotten dressed at the truck and, you know, all this and that, and had it all in my scent proof totes and sprayed yep. down. And, uh, I just, I was like, what the hell am I doing, man? I'm focusing. I think, I think, uh, what a lot of people don't understand on that aspect too, is your mental energy. Like you, you, your mental energy is finite, right? Like you right. only have so much of it a day, For right? Sure. Like it's getting late. I'm running out of it. I've been on, you know, 10 all day. Like you only have so much energy that you can put into something effectively. Right. Right. Sure. So when you're constantly, Oh, well, before I go out in the morning, I have to take a shower. Before I go out in the morning, everything has to be put into this bag. Before I go out in the morning, everything has to be scent crushed and put into my truck. Then I have to strip down when I get to my truck. Now I've got to put my my boots on and make sure that everything's scent free and and uh, blah, blah, blah. Spray down, get wet before I go out into the cold, right? Like <clears throat> all these things that, that are just taking up mental energy that you could just be focusing on, on hunting, right? right. Like I, I remember another uh, like light bulb moment i pulled up to a, a public spot and i think another father-son duo pops out of this truck right and i had been there for like 10 15 minutes putting my shit on and these guys jump out grab their bows and head off and i'm like you know what i mean like i, I yep. don't know it was like this whole process it's taking is a lot taking of time over. and effort yeah so like i don't even give a shit i'll pump gas in my camo like like i literally don't give a shit about um, scent control whatsoever. Now, um, I was on another podcast, uh, with, uh, homie and Cody, and they said that they believe that going through it all kept them from getting blown at by does, uh, you know, like they don't, you don't get blown at and this and that, and you could make that argument. Sure. My argument against that is the mental energy that you save against doing all of that shit that might save you from getting blown at right. is not worth it. Like get yeah. out there and hunt. You know sure. what I'm saying? Which so, is good because uh, like I'm super lazy in certain aspects of my life. Like I, I have, <clears throat> I put all my energy into hunting, but there's certain aspects of it that are kind of lazy. And one of those is scent control because like, uh, <clears throat> I guess I just haven't like bought into it. And I kind of lean more towards what you're saying is that you're not going to fool a deer. Like it doesn't matter what you do. Um, you know, and working a dog has really opened that up for me because there's, so many different things that people try to do to hide the odor of narcotics. Yeah. And my dog, my dog as time and time again has smelled through that stuff. Um, so, and they say deer are, their noses are even better than dogs. So yeah, like 10,000 10, times more receptors. Firsthand. Yeah. So then I'm like, dude, this is just a waste of time. Like I, I ran, I run ozone still every once in a while but that's it. Um, and even then I, I feel like I'm, you know, I just, I don't understand wind yet. Um, I'm really, really trying to put a lot of effort into it, uh, with thermals and different areas. But like, if I wrote, how to, if I wrote a book called how to kill deer for dummies, right. It would be yeah. this, it would be this simplified. Okay. <clears throat> make obviously first, make sure that all your gear is, is, is on, right. right. Like make sure that you are, are dead on. But after that, if you just want to get into like your strategy, right. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you are as quiet as possible with your gear. Make sure that you are as efficient as possible with your gear as far as your setup. If you're just going in on the ground, be as efficient as you can. But sure. entrance route is probably the most important thing. 
how you access your stand, which this isn't like, I, I'm not telling you some groundbreaking thing, but like, sure. just to reiterate, like there is not too many things more importantly than how you access your stand. Mm-hmm. Right. And like you said, you don't quite understand wind and thermals and it takes a while before that shit really sinks in. And there are times during the rut where none of that shit matters. Sure. You just, you just find you, I mean, like every once in a while you're out there, you're grinding it out and you're like, look, that's the spot I need to be. I don't give a shit if there's a tornado right there. I'm going to go sit right. there and try and kill a deer. For sure. <laughs> so, uh, but I just, if I, like I said, if I was saying entrance route is so important and the wind on your entrance route. So like people always think like, oh yeah, like I'm going to take this entrance route, this and that. But if I, I probably don't even want to know the amount of deer and the caliber of deer that I busted out uh, early on in my hunting career by taking the wrong access route and my wind blowing to them while I was walking in there. Right. Sure. Cause I just didn't put enough. I didn't put enough emphasis on it in my mind. I thought, Oh, I'm scent free as I can mm-hmm. be. And you know, that's a good spot. I just got to get there. And right. like your ground scent is super important. If you are crossing where that deer is going to cross before you're going to have a shot at it, you're going to have problems if you make a, if you make that a habit. Mm-hmm. So um, I've said this before too, is your tree selection when you're running and gunning, you need to figure that out as you're getting to it. Not once you've passed it. Cause a lot of the times, sure. and I, I'm, everybody's guilty of it. Um, uh, you go too far. You realize you're going. too far, right? You're, you're too far. And now you're backtracking and where, where you expect that deer to be to shoot him. You just stood there. You were just standing there. Yeah. Yeah. So you really, really, really have to be conscious of that. That's, that's a super, like my scent control is all has to do with minimizing where I'm walking mm-hmm. and making sure that my scent is as much as it can be not blowing where the deer are and where they're going to come from. Sure. So, uh, you have to, those are, those are the most important things. Everything yep. else is secondary to that mm-hmm. <laughs> when chasing big bucks. And I will add like, uh, just put even more emphasis, like you have to mentally turn on a switch to chase big bucks and not deer. I can remember going in with my uncle and cousin who taught me how to deer hunt and watching videos and this and that and thinking like, man, this is one beaten down deer trail. They all come together right here. This is going to be fire. And uh, I can't wait to get in here. And uh, you either didn't see deer or you might've seen a couple does and uh, that was it. Right. Well, that's because uh, you're, you're not hunting uh, big bucks. You were just going in there looking for deer sign. Deer, right. Like, hey, there was some deer here. At one point, I'm going to sit up right here. Right. They're, they're almost so, a different animal because uh, so many, so many times I've done just that. Uh, find high traffic areas and sit on those good, some really good trails that meet up right here. And um, you know, maybe there's a scrape nearby, but that's just a high traffic area. And I see deer. I see several deer, but I don't see the mature um, class of buck that I that I'm eventually trying to work towards and you're wasting a sit man uh by it's never a wasted sit if you learn something and you and you learn towards your goal and every time you do but like there's high percentage sits where you can learn something right and you as you go on in your hunting career too you learn just how to avoid those bullshit sits uh like i still will have one or two a season where uh, like i said those first two days of the season uh, I'm sitting there going like, by, I already know I'm in a bull in a bullshit sit before 
like once I'm set up mm. <laughs> and if it's too late, I'm like, this was a bullshit sit. And every once in a while those work out, but like, you know, you're in a bullshit sit and like, you have to, you have to go in to kill every single time. Sure. And uh, if that means bumping a deer, so be it. If that means that you go in and uh, you know, you're, like I said, you go too far and then you have to back up, but you still need to be going in there to kill and, and not just to go in there hoping to see some deer, I guess is my point. So for sure, uh, if you don't go in with the mentality of a reason why you're going into an area, how you're going to access it with all of the factors in your favor, you're never going to kill big bucks, especially pressure, big bucks. Sure. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm definitely not getting that done yet, but I, I, I try to at least have that whenever I'm going into a spot, when I pick a spot. Um, well, and you, you being mobile, you being mobile, you're already like 10 times ahead of the curve because sure. uh, a lot of guys want to go in, find one spot and hunt it a bunch of times. So you're sure. jumping around, you're getting on deer already. <laughs> it just comes to fine tuning of knowing where exactly that. Cause I, I want to, like I've said before, I want to be able to jump on that deer, right? Mm -hmm. I want that yep. deer to be right there in my face. I don't want to be seeing him through my binoculars and admiring him. I want to be like right there. I want him to be there. So right. you start as you go learning, like understanding how deer use ridges, how they use saddles. Uh, and, uh, you know, where, especially like, uh, uh, secondary ridges are huge, uh, because like leeward sides of secondary ridges. So like, once you get past, if you can put water and elevation, um, in between you and the other people that eliminates like 80% of the pressure. Sure. Then you got the, then you got the other guys that are athletic and maybe they know a little bit what they're doing. And then you have to fine tune it from there and get in there, especially on like, now you have a second ridge. So you've already put some, some water, some elevation, you go in, you get up into that second ridge, you find some brushy cover, and then you start dissecting it and figuring out, okay, this either looks like where a big buck would live or it doesn't. There's mm -hmm. too much human sign. There's not enough buck sign. Um, you know, I haven't jumped anything, yada, yada, yada. You know, sure. am I going to throw a camera here? Uh, what am I going to do here? And then you start figuring it out, but you have to you have to go in there, like I said, with the mindset that you're hunting big bucks. You're not just going in there, finding a good deer trail and setting up. For sure. Oh, and yeah. even then when you're hunting big bucks, understand that they don't move like does because does are going to move very consistently and they're going to come out a lot earlier. They're going to, you, you know, they're going to graze around a lot more. Big bucks tend to have something on their mind and they tend to, they tend to do it. They don't tend to meander as much. So well, even, even like you talked about earlier, and I've, I've had experience with this is a lot of those big ones won't even, they won't jump. They'll know you're there, but they won't jump till you damn near kick them in the ass. Right. Um, Cause they'll see if they can get by with you walking by and then, then maybe escaping on the way out. Um, a lot of times or, they don't snort either. Yeah. I mean, they don't make a noise because they don't want, they don't want anything to know that it was even there. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that, usually the snorting a lot of the time, I'm not saying big bucks don't snort, but a lot of the time that's the doe uh, mentality of like, uh, you know, alerting the herd or, you know, sure. their, their other doe group, as yeah. opposed to like the buck is a solitary animal. So right. he's not trying to alert anybody. He's trying to get out of there safe. Yep. For sure. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've seen that firsthand. So, yeah. Um, well, we can start wrapping it up. So I, I remember you talking and I know this will still go on for another 45 minutes, but, um, last time we, we, um, did this, I asked you, um, what one of your biggest, um, maybe pieces of advice was, and you talked a lot about gear. 
Um, and you kind of mentioned it already, but, um, you know, you have a re- very strong belief in having your gear all, you know, ready and as efficient as possible. So kind of break that down a little bit. Yeah. If there's one thing, like at least that I've seen that big buck killers across the board have like going for them, like that they would all, like everybody has their own style and things that they do and utilize to, you know, some guys are better at reading trees, like what kind of mass, you know, other guys are a lot better at reading sign, you know, uh, other guys are really, really good at figuring out exactly where a big buck uh, is betting and stuff like that. So everybody has their, their strengths and weaknesses, but the one thing across the board that I would say like that all of them have is uh, organization with their gear, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's huge because like for me, the hunt does not start that morning. The hunt does not start that season. Like I, if I wasn't podcasting with you right now, I would be in there. I have all of my gear sitting there and I go through it dang near every night, every day, every chance I get away from the kids away from work. Like it's literally, I live my setup and that might sound screwed up and messed up, but like, I love the job done. Uh, There's a reason that like it, 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 you know, everybody wants it to be easy, but like there's, there's literally nothing easy about killing a big buck and spraying yourself with the magic spray um, you know, putting out uh, dough, urine, or you know, magic urine, whatever you want to call it. There's no easy button, and once you fall in love with doing the work, that's the the results come. Like anything else, like you said, wrestling, uh, your job, right? Like you fall in love with the work, and the process, yeah. You literally don't give a shit about the result. Like the result almost sucks because now it's over, right? Yeah. So, right. um, for me, it's like if there was one aspect I could tell people to do is get, get their shit to have synergy, everything flowing together, right? Like every part of my gear, I try and have it work with the other parts of the gear, right? Like I want everything to be seamless from the time I get out of the truck to the time I get up in my tree. Now, is it always Mm -hmm. seamless? No. No, but I go back to the drawing board, figure out what, what went wrong and then fix it. And next time go out, and I'm constantly testing little things just to make it better. So something might work, but that's not good enough. It needs right. to, you know, you can always make it better, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, like, if you're a running gunner, you live and die by your your setup. For sure. So your setup has to be bulletproof. And I want to be confident. Like, I don't even have to think about it. I throw my shit on my back at my truck. I head out, and I'm ne- I'm never thinking about my setup. I get there. I go through it. I've already practiced it. I've been messing with it. I know it inside and out. Like literally all I have to do is climb my tree, get up in there. Everything goes up the same way dang near every time. And uh, all I got to do is get up in there and hope that my setup, you know, works out. So um, if, if you're, I'm not saying that you can't take some jumbled mess out there and, and make it work. But if you want to be a consistent big buck killer on public land, make sure your shit is quiet make sure that it, it all flows together and everything is very easy and not fighting you the whole time. And, uh, make sure that you have a system, make sure that you know your system inside and out before you're doing it in the dark. Cause like, uh, I like, it, like I said, you, you're going to have kinks every year, first hit or so you're going to have kinks and you work them out yeah. by the time the rut hits. I'm like running gun Rambo. Like, yeah, like I'm pulling out, I already know what I'm pulling out of my sack. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. I'm just going up the tree, 
getting up in there and like, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just doing it. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. It becomes very efficient. Um, but yeah, and I think something that's helped me is being willing to adapt because, um, something usually goes wrong, even though it's the same setup, but I do it every time. Sometimes it's the tree, um, or whatever, uh, you just have to be able to adapt as well. And then, like you said, maybe, maybe figure out if something's not working correctly and then go back to the drawing board when you get back home and say, all right, how can I, how can I do better here? Well, and there's little tricks you can learn too for different situations. So like understanding that it all has to be the same, but every once in a while, you every time, like you said, you're going to get a wrench thrown in some part of it mm-hmm. and you need to be ready for that too. So you're not just practicing, expecting every tree to be straight up and down, perfect size, uh, quiet, this and that. Like you, like you said, you have to adapt and you have to have the skill set to adapt um, already in place and not figuring it out on the fly. Because the last thing you want to do is be up there. You're in this spot, you've scouted, you're up in there and all of a sudden, tink something makes a loud metal noise and you screwed it up right as you just jumped into your your stand or you get up in there and you're going to set something up and your backpack drops on the floor you know what i mean like just little dumb shit that uh would never happen in a million years but it happened so you have to be able to adapt and and you have to be ready for it so for sure and people Um, don't put enough emphasis on that because i watch intently all, all the youtube videos and, uh, you know, just like you do, just like every, every other hunter, we all sit there, we watch YouTube and you'll see somebody shit just thrown on there. Just, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And you know that at some point that's giving them problems, that's making noise and that's spooking deer or, or at least probably costing them a deer somewhere along the line. Yeah, probably. Um, so we got to talk about the sky dump real quick. I know we already kind of got in, gotten into it, but. I, I right. definitely explain in detail for the listeners, the new method of shitting in the woods. <laughs> All right. So, uh, before we had the two bag system with the, uh, the wet wipes and the medical gloves. Right. And, uh, that worked, <laughs> that worked well enough. And uh, I may revisit that someday, but like I said, I've since gone to like, I don't even care. I'm going to shit off the tree. Like, yep. uh, you know, now granted, I will hold it as long as I possibly can. And, uh, like I talked about on the other, the other time, the one that we recorded that didn't get out there, uh, like dressing warm is a big thing. So like, uh, for me, I, anytime it goes below like 30 degrees, I'm wearing my heater bodysuit, and that not only helps keep me on the stand longer cause I'm not cold, but it also keeps me from having to take a shit for whatever reason. Cause the second that that excitement wears off from the morning and then you're relaxed and that cold hits you, for me, that's the second that, you know, shit starts rumbling. I get the bubble guts and now I'm, I'm just fighting it for the next two, three hours until I finally got to let her rip. So, yep. um, yeah, part of, part of the shitting process is shit prevention. <laughs> yes. So, uh, but, uh, when, when you do have to do the deed, uh, I bought a two panel saddle, the method latitude, uh, uh, two. And the nice thing about it is you're, you're up there, you're tethered in and you're safe the whole time. So you basically just drop the seat on your 0.5, your mobile, uh, the, the stand that I use, the lone wolf custom gear 0.5, put your knees against it, drop your tether, spread the panels and let her rip. So fantastic. Yeah, I, I definitely, so I have a single panel, but I'm still going to, I'm still going to try it. Um, well, but if yeah, you, I, if I you definitely... have a back band, it might work, but I don't, but I'll, I'll figure it out. I think I can make it happen. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, like I talked about last time, man, some people get so weird about pooping in the woods and I'm like being in the woods and doing anything makes it, makes it better. At least for me, you know, <laughs> sitting in the woods, not saying anything, um, you know, a million different things. If I were in the woods, it would be more pleasurable. Taking a shit's no different. I mean, it's just, you're in nature. It's beautiful. It's a, most of the time it's a great, you know, just a great sit and you forward, you're, taking, you're taking, you're taking a dump and I, I don't know. There's something about it. So I've gotten, I've gotten pretty known for taking, um, nature poop videos after I get done. Mm. It's pretty fantastic. And then like, I, I think I did talk about in the last one, but, um, this season is the first season that I kind of experimented with calling specifically rattling. And, uh, so I'll actually wait until I have to shit, which is every, every time I go out, um, I wait and I actually leave my antlers down on the ground. So whenever I climb down, which I'm going to have to change it now that I know about the sky dump. Um, but I'll leave those on the ground and then I'll get down, do my business, take my beautiful nature shit. And then I'll grab the antlers and start, start racking them together and, and making a bunch of noise and kicking sticks around and, um, staying away from my poop. So I don't slide in it, but, um, you got to shit. Yeah. You got to shit there to assert dominance and let them know like, Hey, for this sure. is my tree. This is my area. Like you're going to have to fight me if you want to. Yes. Want to take this, so. Spread my testosterone around this whole area. <laughs> come and come and fight me. Yeah. Well, if you sky dump, that's the one thing is, uh, so if you, you always got to look down and make sure you didn't drop anything <laughs> like a grunt tube or yeah. anything, because that shit carries, you got to adjust for the wind, like two to four inches and shit. So that's fantastic. I came, I came like this close to hitting this hat, uh, with the sky down that it dropped. So, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty close, so just watch it out there. Stay so it's safe. a dangerous game. Yes. <laughs> Playing the, the, the new dumping system is a dangerous game. but Watch watch your six, literally. <laughs> but you said uh, on the last one that the last – how many deer that you've killed, there's been shit at the base of your tree? Yes, like uh, probably the last three deer that I've nice. killed. Uh, at least three – at least the last there, – there's been a couple of them in there for sure in the last few deer that I've killed that – uh, there was shit either intentionally or unintentionally, um, <laughs> at the base of my tree. And, uh, I even think that the biggest one I ever killed, uh, looked over and saw the bag of shit and then went to run. And then I shot him. So like the last <laughs> memory that that deer probably has is my bag of shit on the ground. It was so. your bag of shit on the ground. That's fantastic. Messed up. <laughs> so. Well, Brian, I appreciate your time again. Um, it's always a pleasure to get together. Honestly, I think this one was needed that we needed to redo it. I think we stayed on topic a lot better. Whenever you get two yeah. guys like us talking, and we just keep thinking of different stuff. Sometimes it's, it seems like we jump around. So I think we did a lot better on this one. But um, yeah. again, thanks for staying up. It's almost freaking midnight on a Sunday. I'm sure you got to work tomorrow. You got a family. Um, but you definitely were, were eager to take the time out again um, to get this done. And so I do appreciate that. Hey, man, I always have fun, so I appreciate you having me on. For sure, and I also appreciate, the obviously, the lessons that uh, you've already given me and that you will continue to give me because I'm going to keep asking you and I'm going to keep hopefully, bringing you on, and you're going to keep killing big deer, so we're going to keep talking about it. So Hopefully it doesn't come off as too preachy. I just I want to reiterate that I just love this shit, so uh, I will talk about it with, even if you have, if even if nobody was listening to this podcast, sure. uh, I, I really wouldn't care. I just, I, I, I uh, I don't, well, good, I don't really does. do anything other than deer hunt, other than hang out with my family and work. So like right. for me, I, I would do this for, uh, you know, like every single day because usually I'm talking about deer hunting and nobody cares. So it's That's nice exactly, to actually have somebody 
that yeah. gives a shit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like some it's like some guys will will get serious about it for about two weeks, and it's like, well, for the the rest of the year, I need somebody to talk to. It's like yeah. I get annoying to those people, but during those two three weeks of the first couple of weeks of hunt season, then then they, that's all they want to talk about. It's like right. I need you in 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 August, January. And, yeah, February. January, right. March. You know, I'm chasing turkeys, but I still want to talk about deer. You know. Well, speaking um, of though, last time you did bring up something that I w- I wanted to uh, put on here too, and that was just um, the late season hunting. Yes. Uh, if I could just make a quick point um, through running trail cameras, lots of trail cameras uh, over you know, multiple different public properties and things like that. Um, not that it's a secret, but like, I just want to reiterate that, especially on public, like new deer come in to areas and they're much more patternable. If you can catch a deer doing something one day, usually he's in there doing it two, three, sometimes up, you know, to a week's worth of days in that same area. I don't know. I, I don't, I can speculate on whether or not he's in there, um, with, where hot does, you know, like the late hot does are coming in. Maybe he's just in a late food source and then he moves on or whatever. But like I, uh, even more so than October and, uh, November. And I think because more people are hitting the woods in October, there's more food sources available. Sure. They become much more patternable in the late season. So if, if you haven't filled your tag yet, like right now, usually when I go collect my cameras in January and stuff, I'm always like, dude, December was fire. Like, God, I wish I could hunt December more. And yeah, I'm not taking, I'm not taking anything you say seriously because you've never hunted late season because you killed too many bucks before the late season. So I don't, you have, you have no idea what you're talking about. I agree. And (laughs) I'm only going off of trail cam data because like I have hunted a few late season days and, uh, but I generally don't, I generally don't make it there. And, uh, so I, I always have, yeah, I'm telling this nugget because screw it. I want everybody else to, uh, to get out there and kill them. So that's what I'm all about, man. Um, other people's success is awesome. It's still, it's still successful for me, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I really don't care as long as somebody's out there slaying deer, um, uh, you know, I'm happy. So, so I'll, I'll ask one question about that. What, uh, have you noticed, um, if you were to pick a food source, what are you seeing around you on public land late season? Is there a specific one or is it, is it just kind of specific to the area? Well, like you touched on, I don't get to hunt it enough to actually sure. know for sure. Uh, I just go off of, because most of the time I don't move my cameras. I don't make it back out there to move my cameras. Mm-hmm. So they're still sitting in the, uh, like the bedding areas or the transition areas and things like that, that they were previously. So mm-hmm. basically I get, you know, a nice deer on there anywhere from two to four days. Uh, you know, sometimes it's one time, you know, and, and who knows why. Most of the time, if you get a big deer, he's in that area for two or three days uh, going around. And it could be uh, because he's he's in there after those young does or, or you know, those late does that yeah. haven't come in yet. So, uh, again, that's all speculation because I, I really have no idea. Uh, I just you know, know that my shit. cameras. Yeah, my cameras always have giant deer on them that I didn't get to chase. Another thing is I never get to be out there on Halloween. It's no secret that Halloween's great, but every single year there's like five big bucks that will come through and hit a scrape on Halloween. Yes. Dude, it's, uh, nuts. it's if, if you don't hunt Halloween, uh, cause you're like me and you have kids, like you get it, man. Like I had a giant 12 pointer daylighting right there where I would have been. Wind was perfect. And, uh, he was saved by Halloween. So, uh, two things I wish I could hunt more was, uh, uh, Halloween and late season. So, yep. 
Well, maybe one of these days you'll only kill one deer in October and <laughs> and hold out um, well, until December. Well, in the future, I'm going to try, like this year, I, I told I kind of relaxed my standards a little bit because of the baby coming, but right. I'm really going to try and, and, and push that uh, envelope of the 150 or nothing because uh, I don't have any room for mountain any more deer in the house. So it's got to be something that I can, uh, you know, tell the, you know, explain to the wife why this one has to be mounted. So. Yes. Well, there's plenty of room in the, in the pig pen here. Oh, that's right. If you ever yeah. need anywhere to store your deer. Honey, don't worry Talks about it. About Devin that. said we got plenty of room. <laughs> yep. I gotta, I gotta take a bunch of them there. We're going to do a podcast and it's gonna be she's, a good old time. she's looking at me though. It's funny. Cause like my wife look at me like another one forty, like, like she doesn't Come even on. really know, but she's like, <laughs> Why are you shooting that deer? You know what I mean? So anyway. it gets, your, gets your blood going. Right. Right. I I'll shoot a 140 till I die. But at the same time, I'm kind of the point where I want to get one that, uh, like the next one I get, I want to mount it. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. So next year, the, the new baby will be a little bit bigger and I'm going to get a little bit more selective, I think. So for sure. Well, thanks again for coming on. Um, anybody listening to this, um, get to get on YouTube, check out good sit, not shit. Good sit productions. Um, it might change names here within the next, I don't know, however many years it might, it might change the good shit productions. Who knows? Um, but check out Brian's videos. Hopefully the next one is coming soon. Can't wait to see it. Always enjoy those. Um, if you have any questions for Brian, either get a hold of me or I know you can find him on a lot of the like Illinois public land, Facebook pages, um, running gun, stuff like that. Um, he's on and pretty active on a lot of those. In fact, he just, sparked a good question about cell cams earlier tonight which is pretty funny yeah um, they, there was a few unhappy people but what are you gonna do yeah i mean fuck it whatever but it, it's, it's hilarious that you even started it um but yeah so get a hold of me or, or get on on the facebook's look for him um yeah i mean I, I think you're a wealth of knowledge i think obviously you're you're doing the right things you're, you're bucking out every year and you're you're doing it before december every year so well and uh i'll leave you with this too is uh so like uh you you know, if you get down and you start feeling like, uh, oh, you know, like I'm, I don't have the knowledge or, you know, I'm just not doing the right things and stuff like that. I look at it like that movie Groundhog's Day where I've just been living the same day over and over so many times that I've just seen it so many times. So yeah. like, you'll get there as long as you keep grinding it out, as long as you keep believing in your process. And as long as you stay focused, if you're out there listening, like, and you're not quite to where you want to be. And sometimes you feel lost and like, maybe you're not even doing the right things to get you there. Like, just realize that through repetition, uh, uh, you know, of constantly focusing on trying to do the right thing, eventually you get there and it starts to all make sense. So Yeah, putting in the work, eventually it'll pay off. Yeah, and like, you know, the fake it till you make it, uh, like, eventually you're going it's, it's, to, it's going to hit you and you're going to be like, dude, I'm, I, I understand a little bit, like never fully, sure. but I understand a little bit how big bucks move. So Sure, yep. All right, Brian, again, I appreciate the fuck out of you getting on here and spreading your knowledge to me um yeah shout out to bj thanks for, for jumping on at the beginning and then abandoning us because you have a job or whatever um, yeah honestly honestly that was not enough bj time on here so hopefully no. next time we next always time we love us some bj here, so. time the damn the big ugly ogre so <laughs> all right everybody um yep. if you don't mind looking us up on the uh, instagrams and everything like that um obviously you know same shit as always give us a like give us comments interact uh we're trying to build build that uh community and, and keep it going so appreciate you all apologize it's been been a little while since we've recorded 
Uh, it's been a busy, busy season hunting um, or working for for the three of us. Um, and then we, like I said, we did one with Brian here a couple weeks ago, and I'm just an idiot and messed it all up. So we had to redo it. So, um, but we got more coming on the way. So stick with us and uh, good luck for the rest of your season. Yeah. Bye. All right. Later. Later. I'm going to bed. I don't blame you. Yeah. Later, buddy. <laughs>